At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. How do our finances actually work for us? Like, how do those things serve us in crafting the life that we want? So, yes, we do want to be financially responsible because that can, if we're irresponsible, that takes us away from the life that we desire, right? But we also don't want to mistake that kind of effort to be financially sound as an end unto itself. Hello, and welcome to Financials Podcast Future Rich. I'm your host, Barbara Ginty, and I'm also a CFP, which is a certified financial planner. And I am here with my expert guest today, Chanel Dokun. Hi, Chanel. Hi, it's so good to be here. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So I brought you on because you are having your book. It's coming out next month. Yes. Life starts now, so it's coming out really soon. And I would love to hear about your background and then talk about your your book and how that plays into and can play into your personal finances. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I am so excited. (laughs) We are reaching the point of book launch and this is the fulfillment of a lifelong dream. Um, But really, I'm excited about it because my passion is helping women step into their purpose. And so for me, this takes a lot of the work that I've been doing privately as a life planner and as a therapist. And it takes that work that I've been doing one-on-one and it kind of brings it to the masses so that women everywhere can have a process that allows them to actually dig into their own life story, figure out who they are, what they want, where they're headed in their life, and actually get some clarity so they can start to live the life that they've been waiting for. Life planning is something that's talked about a lot in the personal finance space. So aligning figuring out your life plan first and then aligning your finances to match it. There's actually a schooling you can go to that yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> that can try and help you plan your, because obviously your finances should align with your life plan. But yeah, I mean, you'd think that, right? You would, you would think that that would be the goal. Um, but yeah, so tell me a little bit more about your background. So you, you are a life planner. That is your, that we're primary business. And then, through that work, you decided in order to help expose the masses, especially women, to this, mm-hmm. you would write a book so that it was, you know, one-on-one time is limited, obviously. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of work individually. Um, my training is as a therapist. My background actually is in publishing. So in a wildly oh. different space, I was a magazine editor, writer, and that was kind of what I wanted to do. I thought that would be my big dream for my life. And I got into the therapy space. So I started working as a marriage and family therapist, helping couples 
um, loved working with like high conflict couples and how do we build healthy families. And through that, I realized that before we can talk about like building a healthy relationship, it has to come down to, do you have a strong sense of self as an individual? So I started getting more caught up in the individual work with women and helping them figure out their purpose and get mm -hmm. clear on their own identity and then use that to kind of come back in to build their healthy marriages. So that was the work that I was doing and I just fell in love with it. I thought it was so much more interesting and no shade to <laughs> therapy <laughs> and doing you know couples therapy. That's great. But I thought it's, it's a very special thing to sit with someone in their life story to help them make sense of who they are and to actually pull language to describe who you are. Like, I don't think we often talk about ourselves no. <laughs> in that way. And um, so to give women like clear language of here's what your talents are and here's what you really care about and where you're headed in your life. And um, that was um, really interesting for me. And yeah, it's, um, it's been a fun journey, but now we get to kind of do that process uh, in the book. So that's we'll what how, how it, it kind of all comes together then if you had originally started out in publishing. That's true. Yeah. It seems like it's going thread full is circle there. there. Yeah. Tying that all back together. Because I feel like writing a book feels very daunting from the outside. Yeah. Well, you know what? And you'll probably get this too. Uh, and and forgive me, you're the expert in the financial space. So tell me if I'm using this term correctly or not. Um, I love using this phrase. I use it in the book, but I talk about life equity and I imagine it in my lay definition of life equity is that, you know, we kind of like acquire these little shares of meaning and knowledge and expertise throughout the years. And at some point we're able to like actually make a bigger investment with that. We're able mm -hmm. to actually get some return on it. And um, when you say, you know, it's kind of come full circle, I think that that's part of my life equity is like, I started out, I've got these little shares of expertise in publishing and writing from the time I was a little girl, like what I loved doing and then now I'm able to bring that full circle and actually, you know, use it in people's lives and help people um, today. So yeah, it's, it's, I guess it's always been a part of my, my journey. That's pretty amazing. And I love the term life equity. I think you use it perfectly. Yes. Okay, having good. stock in it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's fantastic. I might have to borrow that. I yeah. never used that phrase before. So a lot of our guests have, you know, we hear people come on the show, our, our guest episodes, and they've learned or watched their family, right, dynamics, and that has impacted how they handle their, their own finances. So I know that you probably see that as well when doing life planning and, and having that equity within yourself and what you're yes. looking for. So can you speak to speak a little bit to that? Yeah, it's definitely something that uh, comes out a lot in this life planning work. I'm fascinated that this is an area of um, kind of general financial you know, work and counseling and things like that. Um, so I have a lot of clients where I see them hesitating to step into their life purpose or experiencing really deep dissatisfaction despite their external success, right? These are folks who, if you saw them on paper, you'd be like, wow, they are just like living the life of their dreams. They, you know, they don't, they're not like sinking in debt. They've made the kinds of investments that you would hope for. And I specifically have in mind uh, this client who we were, you know, living in New York City. 
She owned two apartments in the city, single woman in her 30s, you know, um, without children or a partner, really just making the life that she wanted and was doing really Mm -hmm. well. Um, She worked, I think, at a hedge fund. And ultimately, she just felt like her life was really meaningless. She had some great things happening, but where she was missing out was she realized that she was trying to be faithful to some origin stories from her family about what it means to be responsible with finances, to provide for yourself, to set up certain levels of security. And so she she was externally financially very sound and very successful. And even probably on Instagram looked like she was living the dream. Oh, absolutely. Yes. But the thing that was missing for her was that idea of um, she really believed that she was wired to be, I think, a writer. Like she had this artistic bend to her life and she'd never pursued it because the family script was go to school, get a job, do mm-hmm. something that's going to bring in a lot of financial resources so that you can support yourself and never depend on anyone else. And she missed out on kind of living her dream to, you know, express her art. And so part of our work together was not so much, you know, a lot of times when people think about life planning work, they think about, you know, how do I get, how do I move into like the career I want or something like Mm -hmm. that? And that wasn't quite it for her. It had nothing to do with finances or specifically her career. It was more about how do you build in space in your life? for the things that you're passionate about and those talents that you've never brought to the surface. Um, and she's a, I mean, she was an amazingly gifted writer too. So um, the world kind of missed out because she didn't pursue that. That's interesting. Yeah. Cause I, I, even though we do a lot of finance, I do also believe it's not just about the money because if yeah. you're unhappy and, and some people get really caught up on just attaining certain numbers, but if you hit those numbers and you don't have meaning in your life or you haven't explored other aspects of happiness, right? Besides the financial reward, then it's, I don't want to say it's for nothing, but you can get to that level of success, which is what you're talking about that she had. And externally, a lot of people probably would be happy to where, would want to be where she is, but she had made a lot of sacrifices that have lacked that purpose then. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, what is the definition of being rich, right? Yeah. Like it's not just purely a monetary thing. And we also want to have some idea of how do our finances actually work for us? Like how do those things serve us in crafting the life that we want? So yes, we do want to be financially responsible because that can, if we're irresponsible, that takes us away from the life that we desire. Right. But we also don't want to mistake um, that kind of effort to be financially sound as an end unto itself. The goal is to get there so that we can live you know, and have a robust, rich life. Right. And that's totally different for some people. So for some people that's just getting to a comfortable retirement for some people that could be retiring early. Cause yes. it's really interesting because it runs the gamut. It depends on who you talk to, what they want. Some people don't want, don't like the idea of retiring early. They like their career, their profession, and they want to do it for a long time and are happy to set aside a certain amount of money every year. And then there's the other people who want to do the extreme and say, I'm going to save 40, 50% because I don't want to work. Yeah. You know, so So it's interesting. So what advice do you give? Can you give us a little sneak peek? I know a lot of this will be covered in the book, but how, how do you try, you know, to 
balance that, right? So to make sure that you're getting the meaning that you're looking for while still having financial, why don't we say security on depending on who that is? Yeah, I think that the key would probably be being able to answer the core question that I think we're all confronted with in life, which is really asking, what is my purpose? Why do I exist? And, and I think if you can um, clearly articulate that and whatever your answer is to that question, I think you can start to build the other pieces of your life around it. Um, I, I know that that's like a bear of a question though. And that's a lot of what the book goes through Yeah, is that if I just kind of say, hey, why do you exist? Um, a look of panic usually comes over most of my clients' faces. Um, but I, I break that down. And, and this is what you'll find when you walk through the book is it kind of walks you through this three-step process of looking okay. at part of um, why you exist is knowing like, who am I? Mm-hmm. What do I do exceedingly well? What are my talents? Um, it's also looking at like, where am I headed? So what's the direction of my life? What am I passionate about? What do I want to see brought about in the world? And then finally, it's like, well, you know, how will I get there? And what are the action steps that I need to be taking on a regular basis to like effectively have influence in the world? And so if you can kind of answer those questions of, you know, who am I, where am I headed and how will I get there? Um, that can give you some real clarity on that core life purpose question. So I know it's complicated, but there are, you know, very clear exercises and things that we can do to unpack that because, you know, I believe that most people know the answers to those Mm -hmm. questions. They've just never taken the time to thoughtfully consider them or they've um, allowed them to get tied up in what like the rest of culture or their family or friends are telling them the answer should be right. So we want to help you get to what those authentic answers are for yourself. Yeah, I do think a lot of people can stay trapped because it's a good job. It's what I should do. I like the money versus, right? Versus, and and I mean, what's your opinion on maybe staying in it till you can financially make the decision to something else that maybe is more authentic? Yeah, I think there is space for sometimes a job being a job, right? Mm -hmm. I actually think this is an interesting, we're in an interesting space culturally where we put a lot of weight on our professional life. Absolutely. And so we expect, um, there's a great article in the Atlantic that talked about uh, workism and how people have elevated this to a space where we look to our jobs and our professions as a place of identity production, not just the production of like goods or services. And so I think we have to be careful of that, of you know, your career isn't meant to bear the weight of like your full life's purpose and meaning. Mm -hmm. It just can't. There are other parts of you that are important. And so sometimes I advise clients to actually um, focus on amplifying the other areas of their life. So invest in your, you know, diversify your portfolio, right? It's like invest in your relationships, try to like get your outside interests. Yep. Yeah. All that other stuff. And as you do that, it's kind of the all boats rise. When you start to invest in those areas, sometimes the professional angst that you feel can diminish a little bit and it Mm -hmm. makes it easier just to go into a day job, you know? Right. It gives you that because everything else is fulfilling. So then you're not putting so much emphasis on the day job. 
Yeah. Do you, do you find that people, once they're able to have more clarity around their life purpose are able to transition or do you see a lot of them transition to new careers or new, new paths? I do. Um, I see a lot of people who, who have made um, radically different, you know, career choices. So they've made like a hard pivot into something new. Um, I do have some clients though, um, often in the corporate space, like I've done some work with clients that are at big, you know, fortune 500 companies and that kind of thing. And um, their bosses are always nervous when they kind of invest in it because we'll have them invest in it for professional development. Right. Yep. And they're like, oh no, I'm, you know, please don't get my C-suite person to quit their job. <laughs> um, but what happens is, you know, usually they find I can actually show up to work now with more intention. Okay. And so it doesn't require a hard pivot, but I do see that a lot. Some of that depends on how long you've ignored the things that you want. You know, if it's something that you've built up a habit of kind of dissociating from your desires Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, for a long time, it might be that you've worked yourself into a career for a decade that is really someplace that's ill-fitting for you. Did the uh, woman, the client you mentioned earlier, did she end up leaving finance? You know, so it was interesting. We worked together at this great inflection point in her life because she was able to kind of go on a sabbatical. So she oh, took wow. about a year, year and a half off of work. That's and a long she time. Was, right? Yeah. Like she was able to shift. And I mean, hey, this is, I, I sometimes feel like I'm in the wrong career path because I would love to be an investment banker and be able to afford a year and a half off of work and you know, have done well <laughs> enough to do that. Um, but she was able to take that time and to really listen to herself And she used that to invest in a lot of nonprofits and she served probably more than anyone I've ever seen. It was as if she had a day job that she just wasn't getting paid for. And then um, she's now, I think the COO at a new company. So um, she took some time to be choosy and I don't think she's explicitly in the finance space anymore, but she's still kind of bringing some of the same functions to this new role but she's in a new role. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. I, I do think it's so important because when you're figuring out your finances, if you don't know why you're doing, it's hard to keep that motivation to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's part of, you know, she, this is one thing that I will applaud her for that. I think she's always done well is she had a good sense of um, some of the things that she cared about. Mm-hmm. So in terms of that year and a half that she spent off, she was able to invest in some, you know, community organizations and things like that, that were meaningful for her. Okay. And she'd always used her resources. She'd always devoted a portion of her resources to going toward those efforts. So okay. that was something that was very active in her life that had nothing to do with me. I think my work with her was actually just giving her permission to say, you know, you actually in your downtime can enjoy like using your art <laughs> and you can have some new language around. Um, I think we came up with a bunch of language for her around what stewardship looked like okay, and how she stewarded her leadership in different places. And so that was um, her effort was, yes, I want to use more of my art. And I want to know how to show up in my workplace as a better leader in a new field. Um, and so we we got her some language for that. To help encourage the trajectory change. Exactly. Yep. 
Because a lot of it is what you say to yourself, right? What the internal narrative that you you have running inside of you in your head. Yeah. yeah. And it's a powerful thing. I mean, like you said, it's so important to know, you know, not just to be financially sound, but then to know, you know, why are you saving money? Why are you right. building up the wealth that you've built up? And I think likewise, it's um, it's great to go into work and to feel like, yes, you know, I'm theoretically making a good contribution or I'm being helpful here. But to get to a place where you can be crystal clear in knowing when I sit around a conference table with other people, I know what I bring to the table and I know where I can have my greatest impact. That is like a level of confidence and security that is unlike anything else. And I think she had some sense of that, but it's allowed her to really edit a lot of the activities of her life um, because she just knows like, hey, I'm good at that, but I'm not great at it. Let me do the things that I'm great at doing. Yeah. And that does free up a lot of time. That's something that I also have been personally trying to do to focus where you are working in a space that you enjoy and that your natural talents are versus trying to go down that path that you think is a weakness and trying to get better at <laughs> yes. that is just not a fun path to go down the path of, you know, your weaknesses versus your strengths. It's nice to be focusing on your strengths and improving them versus the weaknesses, whatever that may be. Yes. Yes. Very true. And that's that idea of talents or, you know, I think a lot of us are a fan of, um, what is it? Um, there's Dr. Gay Hendricks who wrote the book about uh, the joy of genius. And he talks a lot about kind of stepping away from your zone of excellence you know, the things that you do well, or your zone of incompetence or competence, right? This, the smaller things that are those weaknesses, um, but really trying to get to that place of strength and get to those, you know, that zone of genius where you're just doing the thing that, you know, I call it talents, but that thing that you do exceedingly well, it's going to feel more personally fulfilling for you mm -hmm. to be in that space. And you'll also likely have greater impact when you're in that space as, as well. Yeah, I wouldn't think about the impact. Yeah, you're absolutely right. If you're in your zone of genius or zone of talent, then you, it makes sense that you would have more impact. Yeah. Absolutely. So are there any little tips or tricks to change that internal narrative? Yeah. So I'll say, you know, one of the biggest suggestions I make to clients is to develop a practice where you regularly tune into your own voice. Mm -hmm. I think you nailed it when you said that, you know, what we say to ourselves is actually really critical. Yeah. And I think we don't always pay attention to that inner monologue that's happening. And so I have a daily practice I call reclaim the morning. And I'm, um, you know, I have a full kind of course that kind of describes to people how to do it. But in essence, it's really developing a daily habit of waking up and learning to tune into your voice first thing in the morning before anyone else starts to influence your day. And that means tuning out social media and not rolling over and checking your iPhone, you know, to see what messages all you miss overnight. All those bad habits, yeah. Yes, all the things we all want to do, right? <laughs> um, and making sure that you're the one who's deciding what your priorities and intentions are for the day. And I think that gives you a space where you get to remind yourself of like, this is who I am. This is what I care about. This is why I'm doing what I do. This is, you know, why I will make certain financial decisions today, because yep. this is the person I want to become. And so when you can do that daily, because 
the world is so noisy and you will go back out into the world and it'll immediately be drowned out by, you know, noise. It's something that can really start to bring a lot of a shift in someone's life. That makes total sense because shutting out that noise, I think is important, as you said, and it starts that starts your day off on the right foot. But also you, just as you said, with your financial priorities. So if you decide you're on a budget because you want to pay off your student loans because you don't like that over you, then at the end of the day, you have might have all your friends saying, oh, well, don't worry about it. It's just one dinner or it's just right. one night out or it's just one Uber. You have all these other people that are going to be around you, you know, yes. not as concerned about what your priorities are, what your goals are, why it's important to you. So I think that, and it's on, isn't it on your website, the Reclaim the Morning? Yes. Yeah. You can hop to my website at chaneldokun.com and um, there's a Reclaim the Morning area there. So you can actually learn how to do it for yourself. But yeah, you're right. Because all those voices, they're all going to start telling you based what, on their experience, yes. right? What they and think is goals. good for you and what they want you to do. So they want you to go to dinner with them. Because yes. we, we have a lot of people that that come on as guests and sometimes some of the, they get a lot of peer pressure that they don't need to put so much towards retirement or they don't need to do this or need to do that, but it's what they want and they should yes. pursue it. And I always say that if your friends aren't supporting your goals, then maybe you should find new people who are going to support those goals. Cause you Absolutely. don't want to have someone always saying like, Oh, don't worry about it. Cause they're not the one that has to pay the bill or make the sacrifice. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. They don't have the same ambitions and they also don't have the same risks. You know, I, mm -hmm. I used to always feel this growing up in, um, you know, my earlier life and in, in moving, I was originally born in California, moved to New York city. And so started to try to make my way in an expensive place like New York. And I would often compare myself to my friends. And so what they were able to do and mm -hmm. how they were spending their money. And I had to at some point recognize, oh, wait a minute, you don't have like an invisible safety net. Like some of my friends had, or they had, you know, been lucky that, you know, some of their parents had been able to save or had enough resources to be able to pay for things like college for them or whatever it was. And I was still paying down, you know, my college debt I was the first kid in my family to go to college and trying to just like make certain decisions for myself. And I think that was some of the early years of me recognizing, you know, as much as yes, we are all created equal, all of our experiences are not equal. Mm -hmm. And so we have to honor our individual circumstances. So the pressure points I was feeling, um, I had to acknowledge that and realize I can't make the same decisions as everyone else. Mm -hmm. um, and also, you know, the things that I was hoping to achieve with my life were very different than where they were headed. So you're, you're wise to say that it's like that peer pressure can be so real and can be such a yeah. harsh distraction for us. Yeah, absolutely. So I like that idea of tuning it all out because it, it really plays into you to kind of also tune out society too, when it comes to what you want for your finances, because it's a, such a personal decision yes. that, and everyone has different circumstances. So you yeah. can, you know, you can appreciate that someone has a different set of circumstances than you, but you still have to do what's right for your, your situation, your circumstance. Yeah. And I feel, I find that it actually yields a lot of abundance from that time. Um, what I'll see with clients is that sometimes they recognize that they've been pursuing things and actually stocking either money away or energy away or time to things that ultimately are not in line with their goals or what they want. 
And so once they're able to kind of edit those things out, they realize like, oh my goodness, I've been maybe saving or putting, you know, say hundreds of dollars a month to convenience because my friends want to like go out and eat or my friends want to, you know, hop in an Uber. I'm actually perfectly fine hopping on the subway and I could be saving money each month that could go to something that I really want to invest in. And just that time of getting quiet and being able to go Mm -hmm. like, oh, I don't have to strive after what other people are striving after because that's not what I want. That can be incredibly freeing. Yeah, absolutely. I um, I had a really interesting guest on. I probably will probably end up being my favorite this year. Yes. And she, I went to her budget and this is a little preview for, it's not out yet. I can't remember what the date is, but so she had rent and she had um, electricity and very little for food. And I was like, what about Wi-Fi, cell phone, <laughs> transportation? Because some people forget things when I go through their budget. And she's like, no, um, you know, I, we have a phenomenal, I believe she was an immigrant. Yeah, she's an immigrant. So she's new to the newer to the US. So we have a phenomenal okay. library system here compared to other countries. It's all yes. free. A lot of people don't use it, but it's a phenomenal library system. You get audiobooks, you get movies, you get a lot with our library system, which is completely free. So she's like, I love the libraries. <laughs> yeah. So she uses the library system, is thrilled about it. And then she rides a bike, her bike to work. And she lives in the Northeast. Wow. But she is just like, so she has a great job. She loves it. She likes riding her bike to work. She's very happy not to be spending money. She wants to save it. She is just she was so enthusiastic. And I was like, this is amazing. No, she, she's let nobody peer pressure into, she needs to have a fancy phone. She needs to have Wi-Fi. She needs to have all these things to be happy. This girl right. was super happy, glass completely overflowing and the lowest budget I've ever seen. Wow. I can't wait to listen to this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it, that's it, inspiring. Like, nice Cause she like definitely canceled everything out. All that cultural society noise of this is what you need, or this is what happy looks like or success looks like. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, not many of us recognize that because we're so, you know, it's so in the water, right. Mm-hmm. Especially like when you've grown up in a particular environment, it's hard to look outside of your culture, you know, and to see, the way like we just kind of think like, well, that's what everyone does. Yeah. Right? Like exactly. you just have, you know, I have a Netflix account because everybody has a Netflix account. Not this idea of like, oh, I could go to the library and actually, you know, check things out for free rather than like clicking send on Amazon or whatever it is. Right. Right. So that's amazing. What a benefit that she's able to do that. Yeah. It was Rishi clearly just has her blinders on she likes her job she likes her life and she's very happy and it was really refreshing to this is a very unique perspective I thought wow that's cool yeah so what does she do now now I'm invested I'm like I I need to know (laughs) but like you know what does she do with her life like in terms of if her budget is so low what is what are her goals for what she does with her resources yes so she is very interested in saving and being financially independent um when she grew up they didn't have a lot so she had to work to help support the family Uh so she was under a lot of financial or to be young and helping to contribute to the family is u- a unique perspective. Um, her, they moved over and she has siblings that had medical issues. So she always mm. tried to help out. So having that financial autonomy and independence was a, a big goal. So knowing that she has a retirement and she's younger. Um, so she has a, a well-paying job. We talked about she has stock options. She didn't 
totally understands. She's very excited about that. Wow. Yeah, so she's done really well for herself. She's young, um, but having financial independence was a, a big goal and having that ability to have excess because growing up without it. Um, yeah. And I'm sure her goals will continue to grow as she grows her career. But yeah, it was yeah. it was very interesting. You never know with the guests, but that one was really interesting. But it really, to me, kind of highlighted what you're talking about, like with Reclaim the Morning, with drowning out the noise and focusing on you and your priorities and eliminating that excess where people are going to try and influence you. That one podcast really, to me, she definitely put her blinders on and that's great. You have Netflix. I don't have Wi-Fi. I'm happy with the library. I don't need to take an (laughs) Uber. You know, she's happy, which is amazing. Oh, that's so good. I love that. Yeah. Well, Chanel, this has been really interesting. Um, I love always talking about how life planning and relationships with money impact people because I don't think it's talked about enough. And it it really does play a big role, I think, of what I see with talking with clients. And I'm sure you see it on the flip side. Right. Yes. On yeah, the they all come side. to me on the other side of things. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So tell us, uh, where can our listeners find your book and um, sign up for the Reclaim Your Morning as well? Yeah. So you can definitely go, the book is available wherever, you know, books are sold. Um, there's an audio book and of course an ebook as well, if that's um, how you read these days. Um, for quick links to it, you can go to my website. So Chanel, which is just like the perfume, C-H-A-N-E-L, Dokun, D-O-K-U-N.com. Um, and you go to chaneldokun.com slash life starts now. And that's where the book is. And then there you'll also be able to find information about reclaiming the morning. Um, It is one of the, if you can, to do them hand in hand, to go through the reclaim, Reclaim the Morning course while you're reading the book. I've intentionally set it up that way so that people have space to actually reflect on a lot of the things that they'll be processing and discovering about themselves in the Mm -hmm. book. So they're great to do together if you can. That sounds like a great idea so that you have the time to reflect on what you're reading. Yes, absolutely. Put it in action. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And for all of our lovely listeners, we will link uh, Chanel's website and her book and the Reclaim the Morning. And for our most up-to-date information, you can follow us at www.futurerichpodcast.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.